today, I just, I just thought it would be good to speak just a simple message, really, about worship. Uh, worship um, is a really important uh, thing to, to talk about, a really important thing for all of us. And so that's what we're going to be doing today. We're going to be looking at the subject of, of worship. Um, I wonder if anyone would hazard to throw out a, a definition of worship. You might steal my thunder here, but I'm going to risk it anyway. Would anyone like to say, what is a good definition of worship? Anyone got any ideas? What was that, Mr. Martin? That's a good one. <laughs> what was that? Being with God in everything. It's good. Yeah. So I've, I've asked you quite a deep question. For, I mean, yes, you do, Alan. Of course you do. You're a, a shining model. Uh, I've, asked, I've asked a deep question first thing on Sunday morning. Any other uh, thoughts? Expressing the worth of God. The worth of God. Yes, expressing the worth of God. Very good. Yeah. <laughs> well, I've, I've got a definition. I, th- I think if, if you want to understand what worship is and you want to see what the Bible has to say about it, I think there's no better place you can start than Romans chapter 12 and verse 1, which we're just going to look at that verse and then we're going to look at another passage after that. Romans chapter 12, uh, verse 1. Um, I think this is the best definition of worship in the Bible and it's, it's incredibly simple. It's incredibly easy. You can even boil it down to two words. So it is... Ta-da! If you have a Bible, you can look this up. Otherwise, we've got the scriptures on the screen there. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Absolutely. Absolutely. It could could have come straight out of the dictionary. Okay, so living sacrifice. That's the definition of of what what a worshipper is. It's someone who is a living sacrifice. And I don't know about you, but actually, if you think about it, you take those two words and you put them together, you actually have a very challenging definition of what... So for me, thinking I'm a worshipper, you know, I'm a worship leader, I'm a a worshipper, I'm a worshipper of God, I follow Jesus, I'm a Christian. But am I a living sacrifice? That's that's quite a challenge. Um, Because to, 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 to have your whole life as worship, to live your whole life sacrificially, moment to moment is 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 a challenge isn't it and that's but that is what real worship is it's living day to day moment to moment your whole life as worship to god and i think if you look at the life of jesus and how he uh modeled this this is exactly what he did jesus lived his life uh for god he lived his life for his father he always did what he saw his father doing and followed him and he was asked a question about this at one point, and he said, he, he referred to the greatest commandment. He said, uh, the greatest commandment is love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, body, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. So if you want to worship God, if you want to follow God, if you want to please God, then that's what it looks like to love him with everything and to love your neighbor as yourself. So again, it fits in with this definition of living sacrifice doesn't it to love god everything you do is not not about yourself but it's about loving god and and loving your neighbors it's 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 putting others first that's what love means doesn't it It means to love it there's that famous passage in one corinthians where it talks about love love is patient love is kind love is not self-seeking so to love god and to love our neighbors 
means to to be sacrificial, to not put ourselves first. This is what the, I think actually, when you really boil it down, what Christian worship is all about, it's so radically different from the world. Uh, Because I think it's fair to say that generally, most people would say that they live for themselves. They live for themselves. So they live for their own happiness. And, and that's generally, that's kind of, that's, that's okay, that's fine. The, the, the general kind of mantra in society, isn't it, is, you know, as long as you're not hurting anyone else, you go and live for your own happiness and that's fine. And, and, and actually, that is essentially the opposite of what this is. Because <laughs> the, the Bible says we're not to live for ourselves. We're not to, to be selfish, but to be selfless. That's what true worship is. So, um, and that's a fairly challenging start. I thought I'd just go right in there with a clear definition of what worship is. Obviously, if you're, if you're a Christian and you're seeking to follow Jesus, um, then, then that's an encouragement and inspiration, hopefully, for you in terms of and a reminder in terms of what, what that actually means. If you're not a Christian, uh, maybe um, this is new to you, and that's absolutely fine. Um, you, but if, 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 that's, if that's the case, then I encourage you to, to ask, ask more questions, ask about well, who is this Jesus, why is it worth uh, living your life for God, why should we live for God? If you've got those kind of questions, then please, I'd love to chat to you afterwards um, and, uh, and talk more about that. And we're going to talk in a moment about... Um, about worship in the context of the church. That's what I felt God had for us today. Uh, what happens when a lot of living sacrifices come together? Okay, because a living sacrifice, I think, is an incredibly powerful thing it, and has an incredible impact. So for you as a, as a Christian, uh, when you're at work, imagine what it would mean to live as a living sacrifice. So you're, you're, just, just think about that for a moment. Uh, for you in your work context, what, does it, what would a living sacrifice look like? Um, what would it mean to love God with all your heart and to love your neighbor in your work context? And I, I would suggest that, and I know this is the case for many of you, that's, that's going to be a, a powerful witness to the people around you because it's so radically different. If you're looking to serve others and you're looking to sacrifice uh, your needs for those of others, then um, that's going to be a powerful thing and a powerful witness uh, or in your home life as well, um, and in how you are, how you conduct yourself uh, in your home with your family or with those that you live with, with your housemates, um, that's going to also have a powerful impact uh, if you are living a, as a living sacrifice. It's what, it's what we're called to be, and it's, and it's great, and God uh, wants to work through us as we do that. Um, but what happens when a load of living sacrifices, so all you wonderful people who are living like this, uh, now, I know you hella made a joke, oh, I'm not really doing it. We all, we all make mistakes. We all don't come up to this standard. I myself, as I've been preparing this, have been very challenged about, well, is my life really a living sacrifice? Often it's not. Often it's not at all. Um, but this is what I know I'm called to, and this is what I know God has for me to live. And I know that I can do it. I can do it more and more. And certainly if I look at my life now compared to my life a number of years ago when I was uh, a newer Christian, I've come a long way. I'm much more of a living sacrifice now than I used to be then. You see what I mean? We grow in it, don't we? This is stuff we, we grow in. We learn to, uh, to do this stuff. Um, but when a bunch of living sacrifices come together, what does that look like? What happens? Well, this, for starters. We are all here to gather together in a room. But what 
does God have to say to us? What insight or application might there be for us for our worship together as a church? As we, as we worship together, as we worship collectively side by side, what does that look like? And for that, I'd like to um, look at another passage. Um, obviously, one of uh, Jesus' closest disciples was Peter. He saw this. He saw uh, Jesus um, living this out. Uh, and on the day of Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit came, um, Peter stood up and preached the first message. Lots of people uh, came to faith in Christ. Lots of people were baptized and the church was born. And then a number of years later, Peter wrote this, these words, which are in 1 Peter 2. Uh, and it, this is really good. It helps us to understand and define what it means for us to worship together. So 1 Peter 2. You are coming to Christ, who is the living cornerstone of God's temple. And you are living stones that God is building into his spiritual temple. That's wonderful. Us as individuals worshipping Jesus out in, the, out in our lives, that's great. When we come together, we're not just a bunch of people in a room together. The Bible says that we are living stones being built together to form God's temple. God's temple. That's what we are. That's, that's what this is right now. We're standing and sitting in God's temple, which is pretty awesome. And the first thing it says here about the temple is that Jesus is the cornerstone. We've just sung it, haven't we? The cornerstone. Jesus is the cornerstone. He's the, the foundation of the temple. And so what does that mean? I think, just a very, I mean, it means lots of things, but I think a, just a real practical thing I want to give you on this is that I think if, if Jesus is the cornerstone of the temple, then he's the most important stone. So he's the one we, we talk about, right? He's the one that we, that, 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 we, that we refer to. He's the one that we recognize. And I, I want to say that I just encourage us. It sounds, this is a really obvious point, but I think it's important to say it. Let's talk about Jesus together. <laughs> you know, our vision as a church is we want to see Jesus the most talked about person in Birmingham. That's, that's one of our visions, as part of our vision as a church. And so it might sound slightly obvious, but we can talk about Jesus when we're with each other, <laughs> just in a very natural way. When we gather together in church, when we're over coffee, we're at the end of the, of, of the preach, uh, when we're in life groups together, actually, how much do we talk about Jesus together? Um, we, we maybe will relate on different things. We'll talk about what we've been doing this week. Um, we'll talk about events in our lives. We might talk about uh, hobbies and things that we've got in common. We might talk about our kids, if you're parents or whatever. But do we talk, how much do we talk about Jesus? And do we, do we say, do we talk about what Jesus has done for us do we talk about what Jesus has done in our lives, how he's changed us? Uh, do we talk about our stories of how Jesus has, 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 has radically changed our lives? Do we talk about how he's answered prayers uh, for us? Um, do we talk about prophetic words, words that, that his spirit has spoken into our lives that we're living with? I, I, I think we do, but I think we could do it more. Particularly if we, if we want to see Jesus most talked about person in Birmingham then I'd say we should talk about him more. I think sometimes there can be a reticence because we don't want to sound too super spiritual. You know, we don't want to be too kind of, oh, 
And sometimes you, you hear this, I don't know if you've ever heard this, but sometimes I've heard people say, oh, that person, they're really lovely, but they just talk about Jesus all the time. You know, everything, they always bring it back to Jesus. And it's almost said as a slightly kind of a slur. And I think, well, to be honest, I'd rather be someone who does that and is slightly labelled super spiritual than someone who never talks about Jesus and yet is one of his followers. So simple point, but let's, let's just unashamedly talk about Jesus because he's wonderful. He's great. He's, he's the cornerstone. So he's the cornerstone. What about us as living stones? What does this mean for us? Well, firstly, it speaks of our identity. We're not just a lump of rock. <laughs> we are living stones of God's temple. Okay, we have an identity. And that song was a wonderful way to start because it talked about who we are in Christ, what he's done for us the significance of what that means. We have been made for purpose. Each of us has a tremendous purpose. And part of that purpose is that we're a stone in God's temple. And if you think about if you've ever built a building, I never have, I'm not that good at DIY, but if you've ever like laid bricks or anything like that, and, and just imagine if you left a hole, you know, the, the building wouldn't be finished building would have a gap in it and in the same way if you as a living stone aren't here then there's a gap so you have a really each of us has a really significant purpose to play in God's temple okay we, we it's important he uses us out there but he uses us when we come together as well and that means that there's a place there's a place for each of us in God's temple there's a there's, there's a hole that's us shaped in God's temple. I think that's quite encouraging, don't you? I think that's, that's, that's encouraging. Um, and and it, just, it just means that we, there's something bigger that we're belonging to here. It's not just a nice thing we do on a Sunday morning. It's not just a habit. It's not just a, a church. This is, this is significant. This is a temple. And I, I think the biggest, probably the biggest significant thing about the temple if you think about what is it what does the temple of god mean what's the biggest hallmark of the temple of god i think you've got to say that it is the presence of god the temple is the place where the presence of god dwells um, so over the the old testament and um, back in the early books of the bible you see the story of the people of israel in the desert and moses is leading them and they build this thing called the tabernacle uh, which is like a, a temple, like a mobile temple, if you like, on tents and things like that. And there's this place called the Tent of Meeting, which is where Moses went to meet with God. And the, the, he, would, he would come out of there and his face would be glowing because of the presence of God that he encountered. The presence of God in his, in, in his tabernacle, in his uh, tent. And then later we see that the temple is built in Jerusalem. And that becomes the center of... Uh, worship for the whole of the nation of Israel and people travel from around Israel to, to Jerusalem. Jerusalem becomes like this, this, this holy city because it's the place where the temple is and the temple is the place where God dwells. So that's, that's the idea through the whole of the Old Testament that the temple is the place where God is present. It's kind of weird in a way because you, in one sense it's like is he really just present in at one place? You know, if we believe that God is omnipresent, then he's surely he's everywhere. So how is he, 
you know, it's, is it like the Israelites trying to build a box for him? You know, did they try and like build a box and hide God in his box and almost like a genie? You know, that's not what it, what it was. And in fact, when the temple is consecrated uh, in the story, one of, one of Solomon's prayers is to say, how can we, all of heaven um, cannot hold you. How can we um, ha- hold you in this one place? But God chooses to come and dwell and to come and show his glory in the temple. That's the key thing. It's God's, God's glory is revealed in the temple. On the day of Pentecost, um, there were people all over the world who came to Jerusalem uh, to the temple because it was a place where the temple was. And that's when the Holy Spirit was poured out on the church. And all of these people from different, all of the different known world at the time, hundreds of different languages uh, were there and, and they all heard people praising God in their own language as the Holy Spirit came on the believers. And that was a significant time. That was a day uh, in which kind of something different was happening. There were the, 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 the temple was shifting. The temple was shifting away from uh, the, the, the place in Jerusalem to the body of Christ, this new church that was being born. You remember, even when Jesus died, the, temple, the curtain in the temple was torn from top to bottom. And the temple now becomes... The, the, the church of God, the body of Christ. And we have his spirit. The spirit of God is the one that brings the presence of God into God's temple. Now, I think that the biggest um, meaning of all this, the biggest kind of application of all this for us is that we can come with great expectation great expectation when we come to when we come to church on a sunday morning we can come with huge expectation because this is the temple of god jesus is the cornerstone we are all here we have a part to play and the presence of god is here and that can change everything we haven't earned it we don't we it's not we don't come in and because of our good works oh god's going to bless us today because I've, I've been really good this week i've been a great christian so i can expect that god's really going to be here and now we come in on the basis of what jesus has done and, and, and we, we enter by his grace washed and clean we enter the temple of god and the presence of god can be powerfully shown powerfully manifest among us so i think we can have great expectation and you know, this place, um, Lordswood Girls' School, it's a wonderful uh, home for us and has been for a number of years. It's kind of like, a, you could say it's a temple of education, perhaps. Uh, uh, <laughs> a place where, um, I'm, I'm not saying they worship education here, but that, the purpose of this place, the purpose of this building is to educate um, uh, young, young people, young girls in particular. Um, and what happens is when we come into this space on a Sunday, it becomes the temple of God. Do you really believe that? Because that's what the Bible says. That's, that's the truth. That something significant happens when we come in the room. We come in here, we, we set up, we bring all the stuff up from, the, from, from way down the bottom of the car park. We set it all up and put the chairs out. You know, everyone does their bit. Everyone plays their role in putting things together. And then we start the meeting. And actually, God is here. God is here in a really powerful way. And we can know that and see that more and more. And, you know, our God is a God who responds to faith, isn't he? And so we can come with expectation. I want to encourage you to come with great expectation because 
God's presence is here among his people. What else does it say here in 1 Peter 2 about uh, who we are and what worship can look like together? It says in the next bit, what's more, you are his holy priests. Through the mediation of Jesus Christ, you offer spiritual sacrifices that please God. So we've, also, we've been made living stones of the temple. We've also been made priests. Priests. I've got a little picture of a priest. That's us. <laughs> We're priests of God. Do you feel like a priest? Anyone feel like a priest? <laughs> we are. We are priests. But we're priests in a different sense than perhaps you might imagine a priest. Okay, so obviously still in some church traditions, me and Miller were talking about this just before we started actually. In some church traditions, you still have the idea of a priest, a person who, you know, they wear special robes. And they're the one that mediates between you and God. Perhaps they perform some sort of service at the front of the, of, of the church. And then, you know, and then somehow kind of they mediate between you and God. And that's what... We, the Old Testament priests were about, but in, under the New Covenant, and this is what we were learning about right the way through the book of Hebrews, that, that we do not need another priest because Jesus has become our great high priest. He has gone through the heavens. Uh, he, is, he is now in heaven as our high priest. He is the mediator, as it said in that passage. He is the one who has stood in the gap between us and God and offered himself as a sacrifice so that we can be forgiven, so that we can be washed clean, so that we can have free access into the presence of God. And that has made us priests. We don't need another person, yeah, who's got better access to God. You know, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a pastor here. I'm, I'm one of the elders of the church. That does not make me a better Christian than anyone else. I do not have special access to God because of that role. Absolutely not. You know, because of uh, what Jesus has done, we're all priests. The priesthood of all believers is a beautiful thing that we can all, uh, we can all relate to God. We can all know God. Again, what did, um, what did Peter do on the day of Pentecost? He stood up and he proclaimed to them, this is what's happening as you see these people being filled with the Spirit. And he referred to Joel chapter 2. Afterwards, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days. And elsewhere, the prophecy in Jeremiah, it says that they will all know me from the least of them to the greatest. They won't need anyone to teach them because they will know me. And that's what happens when the spirit comes into your life. It shows you God. Jesus is our priest. We don't need any other priests to bring us to God. And as it says here, we are all priests. What does that mean? What does it mean that we are priests? Well, firstly, it means that our worship is acceptable to God. It says that in this passage in 1 Peter. We, we, we can offer, in another translation it says, we offer spiritual sacrifices that are acceptable to God. I think for some people here, that is a really important thing you need to hear because you don't believe it, but it's true. Your worship is acceptable to God. You have something that God loves. You have a contribution to bring that God loves. You're like that 
person there offering incense with your worship, as you live as a living sacrifice, as you play your part, it's like incense is rising up and God is accepting it as a sweet smell and he loves it. All of our worship is acceptable to God. And it's not because of our own merit, it's because of Jesus, because he is the one who's mediated between us. What kind of offerings do we bring then when we come together? What, is, what does our incense look like when we come together uh, as, as the church? Well, it looks like a lot of different things. Okay? It's not just about when we sing, when we worship, although it is partly about that. One of the reasons you'll see later, uh, if you're not used to the way we worship, we worship by singing songs and then we leave space for different people to bring their own contributions because we believe in the priesthood of all believers. We believe that everyone here could have something valuable to bring to our worship together. Maybe it's a, a, a spontaneous song. Maybe it's a, a, a passage of scripture. Maybe it's a word of encouragement. Maybe it's a, um, a, 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 you know, a tongue, a, a, a something that's spoken in a different language that the Holy Spirit has given, an expression of praise that comes in a heavenly language that then someone else brings an interpretation of in English so that we can all be encouraged. This is what this, is what this means. We're priests, guys. We're priests, so everyone has got something to bring. And it might look a bit different. There might be some that are, that are louder and more gregarious than others. That's fine. But everyone's worship is acceptable to God. And he sees it and hears it. But it's not just about singing and worship. It's about uh, every aspect of our gathering together. And I want, to just, um, I want to just talk a little bit about serving in church. Uh, okay, Because we have numbers of different, uh, obviously, teams that you can serve on um, in order to make Sunday mornings happen. And when I talk about making Sunday mornings happen, uh, just think of it in terms of that, that picture of building the temple, almost like the Israelites kind of moving to a new place and then having to set up the tabernacle again and set it all up and, and peg it all down. And then they have to take it down and move it along again and set it all up. Well, that, that's kind of a bit like our experience of church, isn't it? Because we come into this school hall every week and we have to set it up and we have to set it down again. And, you know, that, that's, that's part of um, the, the experience of church that we have. That's part of what we have. And do you know what? I would like to unashamedly say that I think that really everyone should play a part in that. Everyone here should serve in some way. Uh, to make Sunday mornings happen, okay? And I know that most, m- most of us do in different ways, um, but I would like to just put a, put a plea out there and a, and a plug to say that um, there's a need, there is a need for more, um, uh, particularly on a few, a few areas of our Sunday mornings together. And in particularly, I just would, would mention our kids' work. So um, Anna and, and a couple of others are out there with our kids at the moment. Um, but we are, we are stretched, shall we say, for kids' workers. And in fact, it's getting to the point where we may have to actually not be able to do kids' work every Sunday. Okay, that's, that, that's, that's the stage that we're at now. So it may be that um, in a few weeks' time, the kids are in with us because we haven't got enough kids' workers. Now listen, hear me right on this. I'm not guilt-tripping you, okay, into, come on, we need more kids' workers, Okay, I'm just telling you like it, that's like it is. That's the situation that we're facing. We may not be able to provide kids' work for 
um, for the kids every week. So what we need is more people um, to to get involved, more people to um, play their part. So just just want to encourage you specifically on that one. If you li- like kids at all, <laughs> or you have any experience, or perhaps you've served in the past and you, you've stopped, you've done something else for a bit, please speak to me if you would be willing to help with that. Um, but it's not just all about kids' work. There's other there's other areas as well. Um, the setup and the tech side of things. There's always a need for for people there. Um, And really in every other area of of church life, there's there's a need. Um, But it's a joint thing. I don't don't just want to present it to you as a need, and it's like, please help. We need your help. This is an opportunity as well. This is about you, everyone here, being the living stone, everyone playing their part, everyone knowing uh, how they can contribute to building the temple. And it's about the attitude with which you do it as well. Remember, this is about being living sacrifices. This is about um, worship. So it's not just us guys who play music who get to worship. Everyone who serves in whatever way is, is, is worshipping and has an opportunity to worship. So you'll notice that um, I popped these on, on the chairs and there's more of these outside as well. If you'd like to get involved um, in serving in any way, then please fill in one of these. And, uh, and, and hand it back in to myself or to whoever's on the host team, I think Steve and, and the guys. Um, just, yeah, would, would, love to, would, love to, would love to kind of give you opportunities to get involved. And just to, just to flag up again, it's mainly children's ministry and kind of tech uh, side of things where we're, we're, we're particularly stretched. Um, and the tots as well, the younger group as well, if you prefer younger kids, um, please, do, um, please do, do get involved in that. Okay, but this, this hasn't just been an elaborate uh, kind of setup to just mention about serving. Okay, because you know, that, that is a thing. We need, we need more people. And, um, but, you know, this, is, this message is so much bigger than just that. This is about you, our lives together as worshippers, <coughs> our lives together as living sacrifices. And just to mention as well that there may be genuine reasons why you're not able to serve and play your part. Uh, in terms of Sunday mornings and, and all of this stuff, and if that and that's absolutely fine, you know there is no hint of me of legalism in this. Okay, there's grace. There grace abounds. If you're not able to serve for whatever reason, that is absolutely fine. There was a time um, in our life as a family when uh, this was particularly uh, came to the fore, which was when a number of years ago when our kids were smaller and I was leading our south site over in Edgbaston and. So I'm, I'm leading church at the front most weeks. And then Anna, my wife, um, was with our two girls, Isla and Esme, and they were quite young. They were sort of toddlery sort of age. And we were leading in a, in a context where the meeting was at 11.30 and um, there was mainly younger students. There weren't many other families. I think there was maybe one other family. Um, there was two flights of steps to get down to go to the toilet. Um, and Anna was on her own with the kids at the back and I was leading at the front. And her experience during that season was, um, was, shall we say, challenging. She wouldn't really get to talk to people very much. She wouldn't get to engage in worship, which if you know Anna, she loves to worship. That was a real challenge. And there were some classic uh, Sundays, if I'm being honest with you now, where we'd get in the car at the end of the morning and I'd say, wow, it's great, wasn't it? Wasn't that a great time of worship? 
and she'd like scream or just kind of break down because it had been so tough for her. And, but what we learned through that season actually was exactly this, what I'm saying today, that Anna was worshipping just as much as I was and as everyone else was, if not more, because her worship was more sacrificial. She was modelling what it means to be a living sacrifice. So if you're in that season where you've got young kids or for whatever reason your kids present challenges, Sunday mornings are difficult, they're not, that, they're not the easiest, smoothest thing, it's a mission to get your kids here, please be encouraged because you are living out that living sacrifice and you're actually investing, you know, you're serving the body because you're serving your children and you're, you're giving them an experience of church which later on in life they're going to benefit from tremendously. You know, my, my girls now, they're a bit older, they love church. They love it. And I'm convinced that it's because of that time. We brought them every week. And those Sundays where Anna thought it would be better if I stayed at home, what was the point? It was worth it because they're in, they were in the temple. They were in the presence of God. There's something very significant about that. Just the very fact that you're here, the very fact that your kids are here. They're in the temple. They're in the presence of God. Kids are very... They're very uh, attuned to God, I think. I think they, they, they experience God and they know God. Uh, and they're very easy to, to kind of recognize God. Sometimes, you know, we're trying to teach them. We, we, we think that that's not the case. But I think sometimes when they're here, when we're worshiping, they can sense the presence of God amazingly. So it's great that they're here. So I hope that's encouragement for you if you're in that season particularly. Um, now, just a final point. What is the outcome of all of this stuff? Okay, what's the bigger context? Because you might think, well, this is great. We're the temple of God. Hallelujah. We're priests of God. That's great. Let's just all have a lovely time together here and see what God does. Well, obviously, God is, has a bigger plan and a bigger view uh, than just us. He wants to bless us. He wants to heal us. He wants to work in and through us. But he also wants to do so much more. And in this passage in, uh, in 1 Peter, just a little further on, in, in verse 9, it tells us what the outcome of all this stuff is. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God, for he called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. This is the outcome of all of this, what it means for us to be the temple, for us to be priests. Others will see the goodness of God. There's something irresistibly powerful about the local church functioning right, about a bunch of Christians loving one another, living sacrificially, serving one another, living in the presence of God, living in the power of the Holy Spirit. Man, anything can happen. And people can come in and they see something of God's kingdom and they taste and see that the Lord is good. And that's how people come to faith. In that's how people come to know Jesus, through seeing his, his people in operation, and I really believe this is this is significant for us as as a community here. And to say more on that next week, but I think that God has got people for us. One of the promises that we carry as a church, God has got many people for us in this city, and I think that's true for us here at West Side. Others see the goodness of God, and of course, we've got a little picture. Those others are all people, all nations. That's the promise, isn't it? The gospel, good news that goes out to all nations. And here we are in a context where all nations are here. Okay, we, uh, we're, we're, 
you walk into Bearwood, you go anywhere, not very far away from here, there's people from all nations here. And so there's a wonderful opportunity for us to show the goodness of God to all people. Just going to end with a quick story. I, 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 um, I learned more about this. I was reminded of this this week. Um, some of you know I, I'm involved in Christians Against Poverty, which is a debt counselling service. I run it for the church along with others. And um, one of the things that we do is we, um, we do these things called discovery breaks, which are like a short three-day holiday where we send our debt clients on, away on a holiday and they get to have a holiday and they get to just be be blessed and do fun activities and have nice food and it's all free and it's all laid on for them and they also get to hear a bit about Jesus that's why it's called a discovery break and you know it's really remarkable I was at this break and people put on their feedback forms at the end of it one of the questions is when when was the last time you had a holiday and there were people that put five years ten years never it's just amazing to be able, it's just a privilege to be able to bless people and give them a holiday. And we were in this lovely place, we were, we were in Norfolk by the beach, it was really nice. But um, it was, for me on the team, it was, really, it was hard work. We were like from 7 in the morning to like 10 at night, we are like doing activities. We've got a list of things what we're supposed to be doing. You're leading this session and then you're playing this game and then you're setting up for this and then you're doing this. And then in between you're talking to people and chatting to people and everything. And so we're like full on, I'm absolutely knackered, I'm exhausted from, from, this, from this break. Okay, and, um, and, and we all worked really hard and we had a team of us doing it. Do you know what? Over half of the people on this break made some sort of response or commitment to Jesus, over half. And some of these people were like, you know, not at all Christian, not at all churched at all, any background or, or even any interest when they arrived. But it was a demonstration of something about a bunch of living sacrifices coming together, working together, functioning right, showing the love of God, and what happens, the goodness of God is shown, and people see it and lives are changed. And it really does happen. It really can happen. And I believe that God wants to do that increasingly through us. Can we pray as we finish?